Well, I also have the, the privilege this morning to bring the, the word to you. And if you want to go to uh, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be covering some of the verses that, that Ryan read to us. And as, as you're getting there, I want to just kind of throw out a question. It's a pretty simple question. I like to ask simple questions in, in general and then you know, answer them through the, through the text of Scripture. But this question is, is, is how, how do we grow in Christ? How do we grow in, in Christ? Now, the, the, the easy and the correct answer to that is, is you know, to believe that we are uh, New Testament saints, you know, led and, and directed by the Holy Spirit. After we're saved, He sanctifies us. He, he makes us holy. We have a submitted relationship to Him. We're going we're gonna to get into that. That's, that's, that's the way we go about growing. Now, the other way that a lot of times people fall into is, is we, we try to set up a, a, a set of rules, a, a code, you know, a system to follow to measure our, our righteousness. And the reason that we kind of fall into that trap, and I'm sure you could all think of different times in your, your, your walk with the Lord that you, you start to try to have the checklist you know, I went to church, I went to the prayer meeting, I, you know, I wore the right clothes, you know, I said the right things. You know, all, all the different things that we, we as, as men and women can, can establish to try, to try to measure that. And that's a temptation. It's a temptation because, you know, who's in control? Who are you submitting to? You're submitting to yourself or you're submitting to, you know, uh, uh, an authority in the, in the church that has kind of set themselves up to, uh, to be that person in your life. I remember uh, Ryan mentioned about uh, me pastoring. I remember my first church plant. We had a gentleman come be part of the church. Great guy, great servant. Was always you know eager to help in every every respect. But he had come out of a very legalistic um, background, uh, part of a, what we'd call the, the holiness movement. And he just had oh my goodness, he had his checklist. You know, from what he had he had been taught, this is this is the way we worship. You know, this is this is the, the you know the way that we dress. This is how we you know act on Sundays. This is how we spend our Sunday afternoons, and and so he was really wrestling that because he had come into a, an atmosphere that was very similar to this atmosphere. A lot of grace, a lot of fun, you know, a lot of smiling, a lot of getting along, uh, and he he came from a very rigid. Environment and, and so it really came to head to, for him when, when the guys in the church said, "Hey, you know, let's go, let's go hunting Sunday afternoon." And so he came up to me. And he was just very upset. Guys, guys want me to go hunting. And I go, "Well, great, have a good time, <laughs> you know, enjoy." He goes, "No, we, you don't do that on Sundays. You can't go hunting on Sundays." I go, "You can't. You can't go hunt, hunting on Sunday afternoon." He says, "No." He says, it's for a day of rest. And he's just, you know, very dramatic, day of rest. And I go, man, I'm glad you told me that because i got to change my whole routine. This is my busiest day of the week. <laughs> and I remember the look on his face was like, wait a second, I might be wrong here. And so see the, to see the process with him to kind of, those things kind of fall off and, and understand what a life of, of grace. Not, not, of, not of, you know, just jump into the sinful behavior, but a life of, of grace. How, how, does that, how does that look? Now, in the, in the book of Galatians, 
Boy, these, these Galatians faced a, a much worse than scenario, scenario than this guy that I had in my church. They were, they were in the face of, of false teachers, uh, the Judaizers. You may be familiar with the, the Judaizers in, in Scripture. And they believed not only you, that you couldn't be saved uh, apart from the law, but you couldn't, you couldn't be sanctified. It was all about this system, all about this system of codes that you had to follow so they were pushing, they were pushing these, these new believers into following the old, the old covenant, old covenant laws and all the old um, covenant regulations. And I think at least four churches were being affected by these, these false teachers. And, and it really had set these Galatians up uh, to, on a very, very destructive path, an extremely destructive path that would... Not only leave them ineffective for the gospel, but it would leave them shipwrecked in their faith. So, who comes to the rescue? Of course, the, the Apostle Paul. And he was, he was up for this battle over law and grace. And that's what really the, the, the thrust of the writing of Galatians is all about. And I love one of the uh, sayings for the book of Galatians. It's, it's, the, it's the battle cry for the Reformation, you know, again, fighting, fighting the system, fighting the, the legalistic system. So, because these Judaizers had come in after Paul had left, he, he had to write this letter to address the, the, the issues that they were facing of the day. And, and, you know, of course, Paul was their hero, so they want their system Established, and so what do they do? They go on a on attack uh, with Paul, and they were calling Paul. They were actually calling Paul the false teacher. And Paul had you know some great battles with these with these guys. If you remember from Philippians chapter three, uh, what does he call them? He calls them uh, uh, the false uh, the dogs, evil workers, the false circumcision. Ryan and I were talking about how Scripture doesn't pull punches, does it? Paul didn't pull, pull punches with these guys. And so as you, as you break down the book of Galatians, give you a quick overview. As you break it down, uh, the first two chapters is really Paul defending himself, defending his apostleship, defending the gospel. And in chapter, we won't go back and read all the verses, but in chapter uh, 1, verse 12, he talks about the gospel that he had received. How did Paul receive it? Well, he says he, he received it by revelation. He didn't receive it from man. He received it by revelation. And, of course, he's saying that these Judaizers, their, their gospel is, is man, man-driven, faith plus, plus works type of a gospel. And, and then he gets in, I think I preached this last time I was here, uh, verses 6 through 10 uh, in chapter 1, Paul again uh, protecting the gospel, and he's, he's very clear with them. He says, if anyone, he says it twice, if anyone preaches a gospel contrary to one that I've taught you, he says, let him be accursed. What does a curse mean? Again, Scripture not ping, pulling punches. It means anathema, which literally means damned to hell. Does it get any stronger than that? No, and there's, there's a theological term for that. Did you know that theological term? Did you study that? It's called beast mode. Don't, <laughs> don't mess with the gospel. And Paul was eating Skittles when he was, he was writing this letter. Just, you don't mess with the gospel. You don't mess with the gospel. Chapters 3 and 4, he argues that, that we're saved by, by grace apart from the law. Why was the, the law given? Initially, Galatians 3.24, uh, 
uh, the law was given as a tutor, get it, a tutor to lead us to Christ. Uh, get us to a point where we, we live by uh, grace. Uh, verse 20, 25 in that context, when faith comes, it says we no longer need the tutor. Law gets, gets put aside. You know, great question is why was the law given? Well, again, as a tutor, it's, it's, it's showing us that we can't keep the law. Now, I, a lot of people struggle with the book of Leviticus. It's, oh, it's so boring. You know, it's this and it's that. And so to me, I, I love the book of Leviticus because I read it through the angle of the fact that God is holy and we are not. Why was Israel given the law? To, to show their need. To show their need for God. So to drive us to Christ. Man, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm sinning, I'm sinning. I, I keep striving and striving, and I can't quite get there. Somebody else has to, to, to rescue this, this heart, this evilness in my life. Who's the hero? Jesus Christ, right? He, he's the one that, that freed us from, from the bondage of sin. Of course, he's the great resource, right? through his death, burial, and resurrection, so that we could enjoy the blessings of the new covenant. And is there blessings in the new covenant? What does Ephesians 1.3 say? We've been blessed with, you said every? I was going to say some. <laughs> every! It's every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Grace. Grace. There's nothing better than grace. To live your life by Grace. Who wants to follow a checklist? I don't want to follow a checklist. Do you want to hand in a checklist to Ryan every Sunday when you come in? Here's how I did this week. You know, he, he reviews it. You can go in. You know, you can go clean up something or, you know, whatever. You don't want to live that way. In chapters 5 and 6, Paul gets into um, promoting the idea that sanctification is also a work of God. God being the resource, not, not man. We're not going to be, be made holy apart from the Spirit's work in our life. It just doesn't work that way. Now, do we have a role in the process? Oh, yeah. We've got a huge role in the process. And that's what we're going to be getting into in, in verses 16 through 18 in, in Galatians chapter 5. And so we're going to look at this this command to, to walk by the Spirit. And I want to start by, by asking the question, what does it mean to, to walk by the Spirit? Look at, look at verse 16. He says, uh, that Paul, um, Paul writing here, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And one of the things that I do, and I'm sure Ryan does, is when you start to, to get into your study, and whether you, you know, maybe lay it out grammatically and, or however, however you start, but you start defining the words. What does this word mean? Because, you know, we have English words, and then there's the Greek words, and we want to we get to the, to the root of what, what is going on and what is communicating. And so this word walk uh, in the Greek is in the, in the present tense. That means... It's, it's a, a command to be a continuous, regular, habitual habit. 
We don't walk occasionally. What do we call those people that walk occasionally? You know, Sunday Christians, kind of. And we're going to kind of clean up and look good on Sunday. No, the walk is, 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 is to be a habit. And when God gives commands in Scripture, they're not suggestions. You know, it's like your kids. Go clean your room. They sit and continue to watch TV. Uh, there wasn't a suggestion. You know, go clean your room. You know, God gives us commands. He expects us to follow through on those. Uh, walking, what does walking do? Well, walking in Christ, walking by the Spirit, the goal that God has from us is from, to take us from point one uh, to point B, right? He wants us to grow into the image of Christ. And that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And like the saying goes, you know, Rome wasn't built in the day. Well, we don't, we're not instantly mature overnight. You know, I was at a church last week, and uh, the piano player, it was her birthday. She was 90 years old. And so the pastor was sharing how she has been playing the piano in that church since she was a teenager. And his message was about growing in Christ, very similar uh, to the passage that we're looking at in Galatians. And, and he was saying how, you know, there's, here's the different things that we struggle with. Here's our you know, different failures as Christians. Here's the things that need to be sanctified. And then he says, but, and I can't remember her name, but he says, she probably is not struggling with as many diseases as we are. Why? It's because she's had a long, long time to grow, a long time to walk, a long time to obey this command with a spirit working in her life. And, and that's, that's the command there. It says, to, it says to walk by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Who's the, who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our, our, inter, our internal guide that we are given at salvation. Part of the, the, the life of grace, part of the blessings that the Lord puts upon us. And, and Christ promised the the, the Spirit, as he called him, the Helper in, in John 16, 7. I'm going to send him to you. And the Holy Spirit is, is effective in our lives in, in, in many, many capacities. Uh, he was the one that you know, came at Pentecost, right? We see, we see the Spirit's power unleashed in evangelism in the early church. Now, who is Peter outside of Christ? I mean, what was this showing at the cross? Was it great? No, he had a potty mouth. You know, he, he denied Christ, swore in the process, you know, struggled. But what happens when the Spirit comes at Pentecost? Remember, Christ tells, tells the church to wait for the Spirit to come. In Acts chapter 1, Spirit comes in chapter 2. They're filled, right? And then what does Peter go out and do? He preaches the first sermon, 3,000 come to Christ. Later on, chapter 3, they go in, uh, Peter and John go into the temple to, for a time of prayer. Uh, they, heal the, they heal the man, causes another big commotion, preaches another sermon, gets arrested. Next day goes in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Under the Holy Spirit's control, goes on his indictment against the Sanhedrin. You don't mess with the Sanhedrin because what did the Sanhedrin just do? They crucified Christ. But now the Spirit is living and active, emboldening him for, for gospel work. 
Now, when we think of our spiritual lives, you know, we've got to accept completely, we've got to be all in on this, that the Spirit is the only one that's going to change us from the inside out. Not going to be a set of, uh, a checklist of, of to-dos. It's the Spirit's work in our life. Consider Peter's prayer, or Paul, excuse me, Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. It says, uh, verse uh, 14 in chapter 3 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that you would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner man. It's not a man-driven thing. It's a Spirit-driven thing. Now, as I mentioned, it doesn't, this is not a let go and let God type of thing. It's not a passive approach to the Spirit working in our lives. We, we have a role. We have, uh, we have a responsibility here. You know, we can't just say, you know, God, you know, I'm a mess. You fix it. That, that's not the attitude. Or you might, you might pray that for some people. You know, Lord, Ryan's a mess. Really, really work, work with him. You know, we've all done that. Have we not? <laughs> Let's be honest. But, but when, we, when we're thinking of ourselves... We don't, we, don't, we don't have that. It's, not a, it's just not, you know, like the, the lawn's not going to mow itself, right? You've got to get out there and physically do it. And so we're, so we're involved in this process. And how, how are we involved? Well, we, we are to submit. And that's a very key word here. We are to submit to, to, to the Spirit's control in our lives as He starts producing the fruit in our lives. We're to have a, a submissive attitude. Uh, we are to obey. We are to resist sin. We are to get ourselves in line with God's resources. We're to soak up those resources. That's our, that's our job. And that's not, that's not passive. Passive is setting your Bible you know, on the counter and letting dust collect on it. That's passive. The other way is your Bible is torn up because you're in it so much. What's that old saying? You know, some person's Bible is torn up, then they're doing good, or however that however that phrase goes. But but we we are to to engage in His resources. I remember, and I want to share a couple personal stories with you this morning. And I remember it when I was first saved. It's going all the way back to uh, to '93. Just after I got saved, I had a uh, uh, knee surgery, a reconstructive knee surgery. It took me out of work for three or four months. And, and so I had a lot of time on my uh, hands, and I was, you know, at home. Yeah, I couldn't drive, sit around, go to rehab, you know, pray, read my Bible. I mean, I was just, I was just bored out of my, my tree. As a young adult, not, you know, had nothing to do. They didn't have, you know, computer, internet, things back then to occupy my time. And so, so one of the things I, I was doing, I was really trying to understand uh, the Christian life. And I was, I remember one day I was out at a track and I was jogging around it, you know, part of my rehab, more, more limping, dragging, you know, one leg. And I was really trying to understand what does it mean to have a life of faith? You know, what does it really mean to be a Christian? You know, I was really trying to wrap my, 
my mind around that. And, and I remember, you know, it was one of those moments, you know, you, you have where you feel like the sky kind of parts and, you know, God is directly, you know, speaking to you. And, and, and I remember just, just feeling, you know, the idea of, you know what, it's about surrender. It's about giving over to, to God's plan. Now, you know, young believer, I didn't, all those things weren't coming together. And so, so it was like, I, I need to, if I want to change, I've got to engage in the things that God has set before me. You know, his word, prayer, fellowship, and all the, all the different resources that he has, he has given us. And so the Spirit in our Christian lives will enable us to do what the law is not able or is never intended to do. You know, you may have grew up, grew up in, the, in, a, in a legalistic church setting. You may be bent that way. That might be just your kind of your struggle, your Christian struggle. Man, I'm, I'm just, I want things that I can see and obtain for myself. The more you type A, strong personality types, you know, that, that checklist, it, it, it's very tempting. Very, very tempting. But when we, when we truly learn to submit and surrender, boy, all of a sudden start, things start happening in our lives that, that we go, where did that come from? Man, I've never been patient in my life, and I just I handled that situation well. And that's, you know, you look down at verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Isn't that beautiful? That's, what the, that's God's plan. That's God's plan to, to, for a surrendered life. Now, as I, as I shared, I wanted to share just a couple stories, personal stories of how this has impacted my life. And I remember, you know, shortly after being saved, I was, I was headed to Bible college because I, I wanted to learn. But didn't, at that point, didn't really feel the call, in, call to ministry. But I started to feel that call. And Jen and I were, were dating at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we were, no, we must have been engaged. And, and so I remember starting to feel this call to ministry, this desire. That's what I, how I'd interpret the, the call, a desire to, to be a pastor, specifically a, a church planner. But, man, I was really ashamed of that because I knew that my life was not even close to that. I knew that I wasn't equipped. I knew I didn't have the right, the right attitudes and so, so I, was, you know, I was kind of wrestling over that, and, and I thought, well, I, I need to share this. I shared this with Jen, but I was really nervous about, about doing it because, again, I just didn't see that my life resembled that you know, as a pastor at all. And so, so I finally got up the, the courage to, to sit down and share with her. And so I said, you know, I said, Jen, I, I really feel the Lord is calling me into ministry. There was this big, long pause yeah, great. You know, and she comes back with, she's like, "Well, do you really love people?" Big long pause. <laughs> no, but I'm going to pray about that. <laughs> and so, and so, what I it was just, you know, this is who I was at the time. And I said, I said, Lord, if you if you want to do this, if you want to, to, to have me shepherd God's people, you're going to have to change me from from the inside out. You're gonna to have to change my heart, because I got I got a lot of shortcomings going on here, and as I as I set you know I set off on that trail of of submission, I started the Lord changing me, 
changing me. Slowly but surely, and he's, he's still changing me. And what do we sometimes do? We regress, right? And then we get back up on the horse and, and we go. But, but it's, it, it wasn't a checklist. It wasn't, I've got to change this about me. I've got to change this about me. I've got to change. But it was, Lord, you and I have got to, you know, I've got to do my part. But these are the things that I, I really feel that need to change in my life so that I can, I can serve you faithfully. Now, the real key here in this section, Paul says, uh, he says, you know, says, walk by the Spirit, but there, there's a big reason, and that is so that you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. In other words, walking by the Spirit uh, allows us to behave as we should. Christians are supposed to behave a certain way, right? We're supposed to act a certain way. We're supposed to handle situations a certain way. You know, we're not, we're not to engage ourselves into the, the world's way of things. You know, throw a gossip. That's not stuff that we're, we're to engage in. We're not to entangle ourselves with that. You know, we're not to respond to situations like we don't have a future and a hope. You know, just be honest. Our American politics don't affect our future and our hope. Right? They, they don't affect it. So, so how, how should Christians respond to when the, the, the votes don't go their way? Get on your knees. Pray. Don't complain on Facebook, right, or wherever. You know, that, that's, that's how Christians are behave. You know, I'm going to trust in God's sovereign hand. Trials. How, do, how does James say we're to handle Trials. We're to consider him what? Pure joy. Does anyone remember that, that old uh, Toyota commercial where they would jump up? And, well, that's not how you respond to trials. You know, it's like, yeah, I got a trial. It's, it's a trust. It's a belief that, that God is, is, is going to work through that trial, through that situation. That's the Spirit's work in our lives. What, what are we supposed to, else are we supposed to do as a Christian? Well, we're, we're, we're going to be salt, right? What does salt do? It holds back sin. Instead of participating in it, you're, you're holding that back. And that can be tough, you know, when you have jobs. I mean, coaching is, is a challenge because I'm around a bunch of non-believing coaches that, you know, have the mouths and the jokes. And, you know, I'm constantly having to walk away from, from conversations, Got to be careful not to, to engage into those type things. Allow the flesh, because, hey, let's be honest. You know, a bad joke appeals to our flesh, does it not? And if we're walking by the Spirit, it'll be grotesque to us. If we're, if we're kind of being fleshly, we're going we're gonna to find some inner laughter, or maybe even, even it comes out. So we've got to be very careful about that. We're to be light. We're to point people to Christ. We're not, we're not supposed to be the ones that people say, man, I'd never become a Christian because so-and-so is such a hypocrite. You know, we're, we're, to, we're to point people to Christ, not, not push them away. I love, the, I love Acts. It's my favorite book of the Bible. And, I, and again, going back uh, to Acts chapter 2, after those 3,000 uh, come to faith, what are they doing? Well, they're studying the apostles' teaching, right? They're breaking bread. They're praying they're sharing. They have everything in common. When people have needs, they're, you know, they're not, it's not communal living, but they're, they're 
you know, if someone needs an extra whatever, they're, they're giving it to them. And then what does it say? They're going to the temple for prayer. And then at the end of the text it says, and the Lord was adding to their number daily. Is that a faithful church? Absolutely. That's the model that we're, we're to, be, to follow. That's a church living by the Spirit, not engaging in those desires of the flesh. Now, here's the million-dollar question. Why is it such a battle to walk consistently? Do we not battle? Oh, yeah, we battle. At least, I hope I'm not the only one here that, that battles. We, we all battle. And look at, look at um, verse 17, and here's the reason for the battle. Again, the flesh. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the uh, things that you please. What's the flesh? It's not talking about our, our, our skin, our bodies. It's talking about the unredeemed part of us. The part of us that gets us into trouble when we submit to that. It's, it's, it doesn't have much of a future, does it? No, we're going to have new bodies, right? We sang the song. No more pain, no more suffering, no more you know, tripping ourselves up because we're falling into, into sin. And so as long as we you know, have a pulse here on earth, we're, we're going to have this battle. There's a tension. You feel that tension? Do you feel that tension every single day? Do you ever wonder why sometimes you have a great moment and you're in the Word, and, and then all of a sudden you're like, I just, I, what happened? You know, I'll be honest with you. This is confession time. I'm, I'm working on this lesson on Friday, and the kids are getting rowdier and rowdier and rowdier behind me, and my, my blood pressure is rising and rising and rising, and I turn around, and I, and I kind of lose it with the kids. And my wife's like, calm down. You're all right. We'll get them. And it's like, I go, Jen, I'm studying, walking by the Spirit. This is how, this is how I'm responding. I mean, there's an internal struggle. There is a battle. There is a battle. And, and I'm glad that you're nodding your heads that, that you have a battle because it means you're in the right battle, right? You know, 2 Timothy, you know, he talks about, Paul talks about being a good soldier in active service. You're, you're, in, you're in it. You're in it. Now, if you weren't shaking your head, you know, you potentially are not saved and you don't have the spirit because if you're not saved and you don't have the spirit, there is no battle because there's no opposing force to the flesh. Did you feel like as a non-believer, like a puppet on the string when it came to sin? I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Prince of the power of the air working through the, the sons of disobedience. But when we receive the spirit of God, now we have a force that's, that's greater than the other. I mean, we're free to free not to sin. We're free to, to be righteous, right? We're, we're not slaves to it. The chains have been, been broken. We have, we have the ability to obey because of the Spirit of God in our lives. Apostle Paul understood this battle, did he not? Uh, was he exempt because he was an apostle? No. Look over at uh, Romans chapter 7. Verses uh, 18 and 19. This 
talking about his internal struggle. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Kind of a tongue twister. Now, some would suggest that this is, this is Paul speaking about you know, his life outside of Christ. You know, pre-Christian Paul. Now, that's, that's not what's going on here. This is, this is a Christian man sharing his, his struggles with sin. But what's his ultimate desire? To, to please God. You know, when, when we're outside of Christ, you know, we're just, we're just bent one direction. Self. You know, flesh. Please ourselves. That's, that's, the, that's the only direction that we have. But when we, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, you know, when we repent, we change, we change directions. And now we're, now we're spring-loaded to please God. That's why we feel so bad when we, when we sin, right? That's why there's that internal struggle, struggle. I want to please God. I want to honor Him. I want to glorify Him. But I got this, you know, it's the, the devil and the angel thing on your shoulder, right? You know, you're, you're being pulled in two different directions. So, I mean, I feel pretty good about being in the battle. Because, boy, the Lord, the Lord is, is working in our lives. If, if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I don't feel that tension at all. I, I think you need to talk to Ryan seriously afterwards. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. So when we, we give into the flesh, we do the things that, that we please. And, and we all understand this. You know, I'm not sharing anything new. We, we sin because it brings us pleasure in that moment. I mean, why is it so hard to stay on a diet? It's because we want the pleasure of sugar, right? Why is it so hard to stay, you know, consistently walking without any, any stumbles? Because we, have our, we all have our pet sins. We all, you know, some of them are the same here. Uh, you know, we all have maybe universal things that we struggle with. But then individual, we have things that, that, that's just kind of a, been our thing that we need to, to overcome. Now, let me ask another question. Do you, do you, do you find yourself confessing the, the same sins over and over and over, year after year after year, decade after decade? Dating some of you by saying that. But, but the point is, we, we, have, we have certain bents that we, that we need to be very careful about. We, need, we have certain things that, that the, the Lord needs to, to sanctify in our lives. And the reason we don't completely give them up is because of the pleasure that we get from them. Paul gives a very, very scary list of fleshly sins in verses 19 through 21. And as, as Ryan prayed, there's, there's a warning in these, these fleshly indulgences. He says, uh, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enemies, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger. That's what I did Friday. Disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I've also forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you catch that last little phrase? What are these fleshly indulgences 
represent? Represents the unsaved. And they are very, very dangerous when we, when we gauge in them. Affects what? Affects relationships. Reflects, um, affects marriages. You have in the marriage class. Not having the marriage class because we're all consistently walking, right? We're having the marriage class because there's certain struggles. You put a man and a woman together and, you know, there's, you know, I mean, that will start there. And then, you know, there's, but there's going to be things that, that, that come along uh, the way that we have to work through. We're two different, two different individuals. My wife couldn't be more 180 degrees different than me. I mean, we're, we're exact polar opposites in, in our personalities. We've got to work at it. You know, there's, there's, you know, when we're being fleshly, you know, it, it affects our marriage, which affects our kids, you know, which affects our, our witness, our, our relationships that, that we have with one another. In the, you know, in the body of Christ, you know, affects the health of the church. You know, whenever we're sinning against a, another believer because of, because of our flesh, uh, we affect the church. And, you know, if you ever see your pastor get a, starting, you know, his collar, smoke starts coming out of his, his collar a little bit. Not that he would get, get angry in that way, but, but he, he knows it's affecting the health of the church. And he's protective of that. And you should be protective of that. You know, what's our overall goal? What's our overall goal as a church? What's well, to it's to glorify Christ. It's to glorify Christ. There's a, a church in, in our in our local area, it's in the Beaverton area, the, the pastor and his congregation it just went sideways. You know, accusations flow, uh, you know, flowing both directions, ends up suing uh, former church members. It gets on the news. I mean, factions, right? Outbursts of anger, all these jealousy, strife, you know, dis- disagreements within the church. But here's the beauty of what, what Paul leaves us here with is that, you know, when we are led by the Spirit, verse 18, something very new covenant happens. Look at, look at verse 18. It says, but if you're, you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, when he says led by the Spirit, he's talking about the exact same thing as, as walking with the Spirit in this context, but he adds it as a, as a really neat element. The element that he adds is, is leadership. Leadership. Uh, you know, I love the saying, I've, I've recently adopted it, is that we, we're under uh, divine uh, director of operations in our lives. We have a d- divine operator of operator. Excuse me, tongue twister again. Director of operations. Really think about that for a second. The Spirit is there to 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 work with us, to guide us, to direct us in, into holy living. Is that not a great resource? We're not, God doesn't say you're saved, now go figure it out on your own. That's why he established the church. You know, it's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. It's why he has, you know, appointed pastors and elders and teachers to, you know, to, to, to guide us, to teach us. 
It's a pretty cool system when you really think about it. Now, the thing that, that I really like happens here is when we're, we're led by the Spirit, verse 18, it says, that we're, it says that we're not under the law. It says we're not under the law. Why? Well, because law-driven people aren't under the Spirit's control. I mean, it's pretty simple. If you're, if you're a legalist and you believe that you have to have faith plus, plus works, you're still under that system. But if you're a person that is led by the Spirit, you're saying, I, no, I've said no to that. I've said no to that type of lifestyle. I'm, I'm living by grace. I'm living by God's resources. And isn't that a strong testimony against the false teachers? Isn't that a strong testimony against legalists? Maybe other churches that have that type of system? It is a strong testimony. And I'll tell you something about your church here. It's impossible to walk through your front door and come in here without feeling the love of Christ. Without feeling that, that this is a, a church that understands grace. And that's a powerful testimony. I've got different churches that I, that I visit along the way, and I get excited about coming because of, the, of that feeling. When you're worshiping, I feel that. It's a strong testimony. So my encouragement is keep that testimony. Keep going. Keep living by grace. I love what Paul says in Romans 13, 14. It says, put on Jesus Christ and give no provision for the flesh. Don't go there. Don't go there. So let me just end with this. How are we to grow? We're to walk by the Spirit. We're to, we're to submit and we're to resist those temptations and rules. Trust in God's plan for salvation. Trust in God's plan for sanctification. And you can never, ever go wrong. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this time to just learn more about walking by your spirit and be encouraged by Paul and, and his exhortations to, 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 be, you know, to walk and to be led by your spirit to, to win the battle over the flesh so that we might honor and glorify you in, in all that we do, that we may have healthy relationships, that we may be part of a healthy community of believers as we uh, seek to uh, grow deeper in our understanding of what it means to, to be a Christian and a Christian that is uh, effective in your kingdom. We praise you, Father, in your holy name. Amen.